The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Second and five, Vandenberg hit, McNutt got it! Incredible hands, and here goes number seven. Six more for seven as McNutt takes it all the way in. I mean, how many times is he going to make circus catches like he did right there? I mean, throughout this entire season, you've seen him make one-handed backhand grabs that look like he's got Velcro on his gloves. This one again behind him, stays with it, taps it about three times to himself, and goes 51 yards for the touchdown. Hello, Hawkeye fans. This is John Patchett, and welcome once again to the football show from Hawkeye's Mike. We have two reporter's notebook segments in this podcast, featuring Mark Morehouse, who previews Iowa's upcoming game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers, and Susan Dank, who looks back at the Hawks' road win over Purdue. You'll also hear from the opposing coaches in this coming Saturday's game, Iowa's Kirk Ferentz and Nebraska's Bo Pelini. This Hawkeye's Mike program is one in a series of our weekly podcasts this year, which include regulars Brent Balbonat and Marv Cook, as well as numerous guest commentators and reporters. The Iowa-Purdue game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Tom Hart and Derek Ratley, a solid job calling this contest. We very much appreciate it and thank them. The last time I saw a mouth like that, I had a hook. Carson Wiggs is on to punt this one away into the wind, and he's going to take off! Here goes Wiggs, now punts at the last minute, and it's blocked! The Hawkeyes smother the rugby punt, and it all goes wrong for Purdue on special teams. Coming into the game, Danny Hope said that they always feel like they've got an edge when it comes to special teams. Interesting gamble right there by the Boilermakers. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and choose not to get sick. Remember, the best defense is prefense. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Hawkeyesmike.com. It's sports talk radio on the internet, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. Time now for part one of our Reporter's Notebook with Susan Dank. You can read Susan's articles in the Hawkeye and online at thehawkeye.com. You can also follow Susan on Twitter at Susan Dank. Susan looks back at the Purdue game. Susan, a very important win for Iowa last week at Purdue. It gets that monkey off their back about consecutive road losses and probably guarantees the Hawkeyes a decent bowl bid. Oh, absolutely. You could tell just the attitude of everybody after the game in the, in the post-game press conference. They felt the relief, and you know, even Marv McNutt, who's usually a pretty quiet guy, was smiling and joking around with the reporters. So, you know, obviously great to get that road win, and, and of course you always want that better bowl game and, you know, maybe a nicer, warmer destination. You know, despite this team's struggles all year, really, 
Actually, one of the most impressive stats this season is that Iowa has not lost back-to-back -back games. They've come back from each of their four losses. That is absolutely incredible. You know, it's so easy to lose that game, you know, especially, you know, like the Minnesota game that they weren't supposed to lose and to say, okay, that's it, and just kind of give up. But that really is, you know, a hallmark of the Kirk Ferentz teams that they do come back, you know, even from these horrible losses, and they surprise everybody, and they play harder than ever. And, you know, they, they get that win, and they, and they don't get those two-game, three-game losing streaks. There were a fair number of pretty weird happenings in that game, plus a very strong wind. For those who weren't there, was the wind really that significant? It sure looked like it. It was. It was just howling through there. It was crazy. I don't know if it had a lot to do with all the crazy happenings, but, you know, it certainly had to affect the players on the field. The stats were so overwhelmingly in Iowa's favor throughout the ballgame, and yet the offense stumbled quite a few times, really couldn't put the game away. At one point, I remember in the first half, the Hawks had the ball on Purdue's side of the field with starting drives at the 36-9 and 49-yard lines, and yet could not score a single point. I know, that was just part of the craziness of this game. You know, they they seemed to move things well, and then all of a sudden, they just they couldn't do anything. You know, I, I don't know what to chalk that up to. Um, you know, even Marvin McNutt had some drops, and it was very unusual for him. Um, you know, a touchdown that he should have had, and he was kicking himself for that one after the game. But it, it just seemed to be that type of game for both teams. Yeah, you know, you bring up the drop passes and, and McNutt in particular, and drop passes continue to plague this team. And going into the Purdue game, in fact, Iowa led the Big Ten in dropped passes. And Eddie Podolak made the comment, uh, I think it was pregame, that in the terms of watching all of the Iowa practices that he's been able to watch this fall because he's been going through his rehab in Iowa City, that there are a lot of drop passes in practice as well. McNutt seems to make the spectacular catches with ease and the easy catches with difficulty or dropped. Right. You know, in the past, you didn't really notice it as much because he did have those spectacular catches. But then, you know, at Purdue, he did have a couple that were very glaring. It could have been important, you know, especially that, that touchdown pass. And I don't know if, if that's the, the receivers, if that's, you know, James and, and getting the ball to them or, or what the deal with that is. But, you know, hopefully they can maybe this long break before the bowl game get that cleaned up a bit. Coker got all but two of the carries. McCall had those two and then fumbled on a second. We never saw him again. Let's talk about McCall in a moment. But Coker just continues to be an Ironman. He absolutely is. I mean, you keep thinking something's going to happen that, you know, they're just, something, <laughs> the way he runs, you know, he's going to get bottled up, he's going to get hurt, and they're going to have to get somebody else in there. But he can just carry that ball and pound through that defense, and it's, it's just incredible. Yeah, I think Pat Hardy, our friend, asked Kirk Tuesday at the press conference if, uh, if Coker plays angry. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Because he, he always comes off kind of surly when you're interviewing him. He, he, he's quiet, but he always just seems kind of mad. And, and, and Kirk, in answering that question, said uh, he's always kind of mad, but you can't tell if he's in a good mood or a bad mood. He's just kind of, he always has that, that same personality and that, that, that same look about him, so you can't really tell. Yeah, it's, it's almost stoic. You, Absolutely, the, yep. The few times I've interviewed him, it's hard to get more than literally uh, two or three words out of him. It, and that's kind of disappointing because he is such a smart person, you know, everything he's studying, and he's a very brilliant person, but you can't really get much out of him. I don't know if he just doesn't like talking to the media or what the deal is there. Back to McCall, if he's going to lose an entire season of eligibility like that, you can legitimately question the coach's decision to use him at all last week because that looks like a really bad call. And with being suspended for the Nebraska game, it does look like he could lose an entire season of eligibility. It does. It's, it's just very 
disappointing for that young man you know, to have such a, a great opening quarter and then getting hurt. And you thought, okay, well, that's the end of his season and he can come back next year and, and see if he can fulfill that promise that he showed. And then the fact that they did bring him back, um, and, and for the last couple of weeks they said that he's been ready to play and it's just a matter of, of Kirk maybe getting a push to put him out there behind Coker and he just never did and then finally did. And one miscue by McCall and then he didn't get to play again. It's just very disappointing for him and, and for the fans, I think. They didn't get to see what he could do. I think for a kid who hasn't played for as long as he's been out, it shouldn't surprise you that he might be a little rusty and that kind of looked like a kind of a funky handoff and ball bouncing off his thigh. I don't know why the coaches would have been surprised by that. I'm, I'm not sure either um, and, and Kirk didn't really address that after the game at all. But you think, you know, at the end, you put him in, give him another chance to run it and see what happened. I mean, even Marcus Coker for a while was having problems hanging onto the ball, but they stuck with him. As off as Vandenberg was in the Michigan State game where it seemed like all of his passes were, you know, just off target a foot or two, Saturday, in spite of that wind, he he appeared on almost from the outset and just really looked back like the Vandenberg that plays so well. He did. I think he's like the team. He's very resilient. You know, I think he beats himself up a bit, you know, when he has those bad games. And I think he probably spends even more time in the film room if that's possible um, and working on his game. And he really was, especially that first drive. You know, he just looked great and he was putting those passes where those guys could get them, you know, a couple of drops like we had talked about, but but he was just spot on most of the game. The one area where he still appears to struggle is picking up blitzes. He doesn't seem to do that well. He doesn't seem to recognize that all the time. And, and he doesn't throw the ball away when he should sometimes. It, it's just like he hasn't quite progressed in that particular area as much as you might have expected at this point in the season. And I don't know if maybe sometimes he's afraid he, he throws it up there, it's going to be intercepted or, or what the deal is. Um, I know a couple of times, uh, well, a couple of games ago, you know, he just got taken out on the backside, so he had no idea they were coming. But yeah, a lot of times he doesn't get that, get rid of that. And, um, you know, it's something I'm sure he will work on a lot during the offseason. What did you think of the play action call out of the end zone that resulted in his fumble and a Purdue touchdown? That was very surprising. We were talking about that. You know, it was shocking that they just, they didn't hand that out, you know, hand that off to Coker. Like, you would really expect from a Kirk Ferentz, Ken O'Keefe team. Very un like Yeah, we were... We were all absolutely shocked that, that they even tried something like that. But of course, you know, if it had worked, we all would have been saying, oh, what a great call. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the defense really played well overall. They had some struggles on third downs. They were terrific on first and second downs throughout the whole game. But they really only gave up 14 points against a Purdue offense that runs a style of offense that, as we know and have talked about, gives Iowa's defense fits, typically. So a, a great game overall, I thought, by the defense. And an incredible game by Mike Daniels, probably his best at Iowa. Nine tackles, five for loss, three sacks. Both um, Mike Daniels and Broderick Bins had just incredible games. They just, you know, what you'd expect, they just keep getting better and better. And it's something this, this defense really needs. You know, unfortunately, it's coming a little bit late in the season. You know, with only one regular season game left. But they really have improved. And they really did a great job stopping both of those quarterbacks, um, both Turbush and, and Marv. Five takeaways for the Hawks. That's a huge difference in that ball game. They've always been great with the takeaways. And unfortunately, I believe they only scored once off of those. But just getting the ball out of the offense's hands is just such a huge thing. <laughs> it's uh, another sort of recurring theme here, but it really does look like Micah Hyde doesn't seem comfortable fielding punts. In fact, it looks like he would rather be doing anything than 
doing that. <laughs> Just about. You'd think they'd be able to find somebody else to, to put back there that might not be afraid of, of trying to catch that ball and do something with it. Because he, like you said, he just does not look comfortable. Um, and it's amazing how many he just lets go by him and doesn't even attempt to field. Yeah, you have to wonder. I, I think that's, he's never done that before at high school or certainly not here at Iowa. And you have to wonder who else they considered. But it, it's cost Iowa a good field position on a number of occasions. And especially if you're playing a tougher defense, that's very valuable field position. Fortunately, you know, against Purdue with that crazy wind, and I think they had an, an eight-yard punt at one point, you know, it really wasn't an issue. But, you know, this weekend against Nebraska Memorial Stadium, it easily could be. He really needs to step up and make some catches and try to make something happen. Yeah, probably unrealistic to make a change at this point. Any other thoughts? Uh, this would be, you know, huge for Iowa to go in there and, and even if they don't win, just to make a, a good showing, you know, to show that they can compete with this Nebraska team that thought maybe they were going to come in here and, and kind of control the conference coming from the Big 12. Um, you know, and obviously that hasn't happened. They've won some big games. But, you know, big rivalry game or what is trying to become a rivalry game. We just saw the uh, the trophy was unveiled today and the heroes for this heroes game were unveiled today. But it would be great for Iowa to go in there and make a great showing heading into the postseason. What exactly did you have in mind, Mr. Carlson? <laughs> what do you suppose he's up to? And I think I hear something now. Something just came out of the back. Perhaps a skydiver. No parachutes yet. Oh my God, they're turkeys. Turkeys are hitting the ground like sacks of wet cement. Thanks for that on-the-spot report, class. I thought it would work. It's pretty strange after that. I really don't know how to describe it. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Third and four. Marv wants to throw. And over the middle, intercepted. Picked off by Tanner Miller. Iowa with another takeaway. Miller's second pick of the game. Well, it looked like Robert Marv rushed that throw. He had a receiver, Justin Siller, that was wide open, and he rushed the throw, ended up throwing it high. He's a little bit shaken up on the play as well. And give credit for Tanner Miller keeping his eyes on the quarterback and running right underneath that football for the interception. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. <laughs> How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on up to 10 washings. Moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ooh, a toilet. Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Time now to hear from the head coaches in this Saturday's game. First up, Iowa head coach Kirk Ferentz, who offers his overall assessment of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Uh, we face a very tough uh, team in Nebraska, certainly. It's going to be a great challenge for us going over there. It's a tough place to play. Uh, our players have not been there uh, yet, so you know it's, uh, it's going to be a new experience for them that way. And uh, They're a very talented football team. You know, if you look at them offensively, defensively, they've got a lot of speed, special teams the same way. Uh, they've got good size, good athleticism. Uh, they've been a premier program for for a long, long time, and you know they, they they look the part and they play the part. They're really a good football team. So, you know, very dangerous. A lot of dangerous guys on the offensive side of the football. Defensively, you know, big and strong up front. Uh, very athletic at the linebacker secondary positions, and uh, those guys can really cover ground and uh, do a good job when they get there. And then special teams wise, uh, two things that really stand out: the return games are excellent, both uh, kickoff and punt return, and, and then their field goal uh, kickers just having a tremendous season as well. So, hey, they've got a lot of weapons 
are very well coached. Ference talks about the progress his starting quarterback James Vandenberg has made this season and about his toughness. Yeah, I think he already has done a lot of good things and, and uh, yeah, he's like a lot of our players on the team I think that have improved. Uh, differences, he's in a little bit more prominent position, but I think we have a lot of guys that are playing better football now. You know, I think James just really is, is learning every week. You know, he's doing a lot of good things and like every week, too, there are a handful of plays he'd love to have back from Saturday. You don't get that chance, but you know, he learns from them, so it's, uh, you know, it's really fun to watch him grow and develop. You know, he gives you that Opie look, uh, whatever Opie's last name was, you know, I think it's all an act, but he, you know, he's, he's a nitty-gritty tough guy. There's no question in my mind. I think all his teammates have always seen him that way. Ference was asked how much the road victory at Purdue last Saturday helps the team's confidence going into this Friday's road contest at Nebraska. We don't talk that much about it, but I know it's out there obviously and uh you got to write about something and talk about something so it helps it's it's it definitely helps and but you know i'll stand by what i've been saying all along you, you got to play better than the other team it's it's there's no question it's a bigger challenge when you're at somebody else's place but it doesn't guarantee anything you know if you're the home team that doesn't guarantee anything you know we, we experienced that two weeks ago but yeah you, you got to be a little bit more focused you got to be a little bit more mentally hard-minded i think to, to win on the road and teams that can accomplish that have good seasons and if you're not going to have a good season if you can't master that not that you're going to win them all on the road but if you go back at least uh with our, our best teams you know, we've, we've done a representative job on the road and I think everybody's realizing as you look around the country, not just our conference, if you play in uh, BCS level football, it's not easy going on the road no matter where you go. It's just a, it's a challenge. Kirk was asked about moving the game from Saturday to playing Nebraska the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I think we kind of actually initiated it. Not that it matters, but it was kind of, you know, because we were aware of the fact that they had been doing that. We thought they'd be in agreement. Uh, so it seems like it's worked well for them and after our experience last year, you know, I was kind of at the conclusion of, uh, you know, why not, you know, couldn't be any worse than what we did last, you know, last year on Saturday, quite frankly. So, you know, I might eat those words here uh, after this next two years. But and the other thing, it just I think it gives us a, a chance to be in the national spotlight, which how can that be a bad thing unless we just go out there and play bad? But uh, the heck, I think it's a great opportunity for our guys to, to play. And, you know, they, they've had that, uh, enjoyed that. I don't want to call it a luxury, but they've enjoyed that for, for many, many years. I remember as a kid watching them play. You know, I think they used to play Oklahoma in Thanksgiving Fridays. It's, I think it's just it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us. And, you know, we're just excited to get invited to the party. It's a great deal. And Ference talks about trying to slow down the Cornhuskers' potent rushing attack. You know, if we could change one thing, I think we'd all agree we'd like to uh, have played the run better this year. We haven't done a great job of that, so we're, we're going to get really tested this week. This is a group, not only Martinez, it starts with him. You know, that running back is really good. And they've got some younger guys behind him. They'll, they'll, they'll mix it around. Uh, they got a lot of guys that are really good, so it's, it's going to be a challenge, and they're good up front. So our guys can really have to be at their best. Yeah, the best news I can give you is they're pretty healthy, which I couldn't say you know a month ago. So at least outside, obviously, Dom Alvis being out. But uh, everybody that's available is healthy, and hopefully we'll have a good week of practice, and we're going to have to be at our absolute best just to try to slow them down. Next, we hear from Nebraska head coach Bo Pelini, who was asked about Nebraska's roller coaster play in big games this season, where they've now won two and lost two. No, I mean, you just got to go week for week, and, and uh, you got to execute week. You know, I thought our guys emotionally were pretty pretty fired up for that, for the Michigan game. I mean, you know, you, you can't come out and make mistakes. Bottom line, you can't, especially on the road, you can't come out and have the things happen to us. I mean, it seems like it happened in a, a myriad of ways, a lot of different ways. And uh, you got to have respect for the game. you got to be ready to come out and execute. And, if you don't, you're going to put yourself in a tough position. 
seems like everything that could happen to us the other day happened to us. Then you got to fight against that. Pelini was asked to assess his program four years into his tenure at Nebraska. Well, we've, obviously I think we're a better football team. The program's made strides from where it was when I walked in the door here. Uh, our kids are doing well academically. Our kids represent this state the right way, this, this university the right way. They come out and uh, I think they're a, a good representative of, of what you want this football program to be about. I think we're playing good football. I think we compete every week. We're not winning the division championship right now. It didn't happen, but uh, I think over the last few years, we've been right there. We've competed, we've won what, at least a share all three years I've been here. And this year, it didn't happen for us. We've had some tough time, a couple of tough times. We've had a lot of injuries. We've had some things happen to us, but our kids have still come out and represented this program the right way. Pelini was asked for his thoughts about Iowa quarterback James Vandenberg and how best to try to defend him and Iowa's offense. I think he manages the game well. I think he does a really good job. I think he's a good player. And, uh, they, you know, they have a good mix of run and pass. And, you know, he, you know, I think he's pretty efficient as a quarterback. You know, like you say, he doesn't throw a lot of balls. That, uh, you know, he, I think he makes good decisions, and that's you know, always real positive. We got to execute. We got to cover cover guys down. You got to get good rush lanes because he has shown he can get out and beat you with his feet. So I mean, although he's more of a pocket passer, but gotta you gotta have a good mix, keep him off balance, and, and cover the guys down the field. Pelini talks about his experience as a graduate assistant on the Iowa coaching staff. That was a good experience. That was my first year in coaching, and uh, for, you know it was right after I graduated from Ohio State. My first year and. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Was, it was enjoyable. I actually coached on the on the offensive side for that year, which I thought was a great experience for me, a great learning experience. I haven't played defense, and, you know, so I mean, it was a real enjoyable experience. Well, obviously, Coach Fry was the head coach, and you know, you had Bill Brazier was the defensive coordinator, Don Patterson was the offensive coordinator. Um, I was a GA. Mark Stoops was a GA. Mike Stoops was a volunteer assistant at that time. Carl Jackson was on that staff who coached in the NFL for a lot of years. In fact, I ended up coaching with Carl at uh, at the 49ers. Now, there were a lot of you know Bobby Elliott. I don't know if I said Bobby Elliott, but there were uh, you know Tech Gill. There were some good football coaches on that staff. Nebraska has had some problems with opposing teams appearing to fake injuries in an effort to slow down the Cornhuskers' no-huddle offense. Pelini was asked about that. I think they need to look into something. Uh, I think it's been pretty obvious at times, but obviously it hasn't been obvious to the referees. So what are you going to do? I mean, there's, you know, sometimes your hands are tied. I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. I guess, you know, you know, there's no rule against it, so we don't do it. But some people choose to do it. What are you going to do? And Pelini was asked what the teams will be playing for on Saturday with no Legends title on the line in Lincoln. Yeah, it amazes me that anybody that we could, people could ask that question. Obviously, when, you, when you're an athlete, you, when you compete, you compete. It's not always about trophies. There's a lot of things to play into. When you, when you go to compete, you go to compete. So, trust me, both teams will be out there ready to play. <laughs> HawkeyesMike.com, just for you, the Iowa fan. All sports, all Hawks, all the time. www.HawkeyesMike.com. Call toll-free 866-74-HAWKS.
Looking ahead to Friday's game, Iowa travels to Nebraska this week in a first-time battle for the new Heroes Trophy. While both teams are out of the Legends Division title hunt, this contest is important in terms of both regular season records and likely bowl slotting. It will also be Seniors Day in Lincoln. The Hawkeyes are playing the second consecutive road game, coming off their win last Saturday at Purdue. The Cornhuskers, on the other hand, were thoroughly trounced by Michigan in Ann Arbor. Iowa is 7-4 this season. Nebraska is 8-3 with big wins over Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State, but key losses to Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Michigan. This is a renewal in a series that has been dominated by the Cornhuskers 26-12-3, including 17-6-3 in games played in Lincoln. The last time the teams met was in 2000. Nebraska has won five of the last six. Iowa's last win came in 1981 in Iowa City, and their last win in Lincoln was all the way back in 1943. Kirk Ferentz is in his 16th year overall as a college head coach, his 13th at Iowa. His career record is 108-85, and and at Iowa, he's 96-64. Bo Pelini is in his fourth year as a head coach, all at Nebraska, where he is 38-15. He has never coached against the Hawkeyes as a head coach, and he was once an Iowa graduate assistant under Hayden Fry on the same staff as Kirk Ferentz. This will be Iowa's last chance at a trophy game in 2011, and none of its rivalry trophies are currently housed in Iowa City as the Hawkeyes have lost all of their recent trophy games to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa State. Part 2 of our Reporter's Notebook this week features Mark Morehouse. You can read Mark's articles in the Gazette and online at thegazette.com. You can also follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Morehouse. Mark previews the Iowa-Nebraska game. Mark, Iowa and Nebraska renew their series dominated by the Cornhuskers. First game since 2000. Not really a rivalry yet, more of a potential rivalry. And Kirk commented that to be a real rivalry, there are going to have to be some close contested games here. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I, I really think the onus is on Iowa. And not, not I, here's my reason. I'm not saying that Iowa is a lesser program here. Because I think if you look at the recent history, Nebraska's last uh, BCS Bowl was 2001 Rose Bowl. Iowa has been the two two uh, BCS Bowls, Orange Bowls, since then and has won one. So uh, if you look at the recent history, you know, you might, it might lean a little more toward Iowa. But, you know, Nebraska has all that all that uh, national championship hardware from, you know, Tom Osborne's days, and they have this tremendous tradition. It's a well-moneyed program. It's basically everything. You know the uh, the thing to do in Nebraska sports wise. So I think Iowa has to prove in this rivalry. I think, and to do that, I think Iowa has to win in Lincoln. And uh, I'm not sure when the last time Iowa's done that, if ever. But uh, 1943, I believe. Yeah. Well, okay. Ten years into the what I would consider the modern era, I think that 1933 is sort of the cutoff for me. But uh, I think I the onus is on Iowa. Iowa goes in and wins in Nebraska or at uh, in Lincoln this week. You know, it's uh, it's it's on. That'll get Nebraska fans' attention because right now I think it's uh, I think they probably look at Iowa as sort of a K State or sort of a maybe not maybe not quite as low as Colorado. Because Colorado did not have any cachet after even though Colorado put 65 on it one year, but uh, I, I think that uh, Iowa needs to sort of go out and prove it there, show them that hey, uh, things have changed since 2000, and uh, we uh, we know how to play football. Now I was playing back-to-back road games to end of the regular season. Do you think that'll have any impact on the Hawkeyes going into this game? No, I think more the short week might have one. I think the uh, everything's sort of compressed. It might be good. 
I mean, they, I might keep the focus where it needs to be, especially coming off a strong performance at Purdue, or in fatigue time. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see that. I think I will be strong. I think I will be focused. But I do think the short week is completely new concept for this program. Uh, I think we went back yesterday and looked at 1953 was the last time I believe Iowa played on a Friday, and I think it was at uh, UC. LA or somewhere somewhere in the in California and Iowa lost badly uh, you know but, you know that's neither here nor there I think it, it just the point is that uh, short weeks are are not common and Nebraska is kind of tuned into this with, you know with, with having played uh, on the Friday before Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving with uh, Colorado all those years but yeah I think short week uh, the road games I don't think so I think you know Iowa got the big monkey off its back last week you know 0 for 5 on, in the West regular season games on the road. That was completely erased at Purdue with, with maybe, uh, I don't know, John, I think that was probably about as close as Iowa's had to a complete performance offense and defense this year, and uh, I think it's got to be giving them a good vibe going into Lincoln. Now, the Cornhuskers are coming off of a big-time beatdown at Michigan where it had a, they had a slew of problems there, and they just didn't play very well. Any sense of their psyche going into this game? Well, I think the team, well, obviously, is not happy with that performance, and they'll It'll want its measure of revenge, and you know they'll play Iowa in front of us. So I think that uh, Iowa could feel that maybe, but also you know a lot of the questions out of Nebraska this week were, what are you guys playing for? And right now, you know, hopefully in his first three years, he won at least a piece of the Big 12 title, if not or Big 12 North title, if not all, uh, won it outright. So uh, that's gone. There's no there's no Legends Division title for Nebraska. That went to Michigan State last week. So you know the question is, what are you guys? playing for and I imagine uh, Nebraska will have an answer for that uh, the players I, I think uh, the fans you know they might be sort of you know no championship here Iowa it's the last game let's go I mean I, I don't know I, I can't uh, I, I don't like questions that ask me to take the temperature of the entire fan psyche but I think that I think there's a little bit of I don't want to say anger but a little bit of okay uh, one of the questions that uh, hopefully he did get was is this program stuck in neutral and I can see some antsiness out of fans I can see some and just have the program. You know, how that translates in the field is, you know, you would think it'd be angry Huskers, but we'll see. It could be also tight, freaked out Huskers. Yeah, Polini was not a happy camper at his press conference, and actually that was the next question I was going to ask you about, the question he got about this program being stuck in neutral. They've won some big games, they've lost some big games, and they're only 2-2 two and two this year against ranked teams. Yeah, uh, I, the Nebraska ha, you know, Nebraska fans have the idea that it is an elite program, and right right or wrong, you know, I'm not going to debate that, but I think that uh, if you look at the last, you know, since you know they've been to a BCS game last time, you know, uh, Pelini, sure, he's won shares of the Big 12 North title, but the uh, and at, at the end of the year, he's had teams that have played in the Gator and two Holiday Bowls back-to-back. So, Huskers, yeah, they, it's got a program with a lot of history, but, uh, you know, Gator, Holiday, Holiday is not going to get it done there. And I think Pelini's sort of getting that spelled out for him pretty clearly. He does not like that. He's very protective and proud of his program, and he should be. But fans and fan, fan reality and coach reality and, uh, you know, the record that they rarely, they rarely intersect the right way for everyone, and uh, you know Kirk, Kirk Ferentz heard is hearing that, you know, with the Minnesota loss this year. So I think that uh, uh, fans are like, kind of, you know, they're a little restless.
We know a lot about Iowa's key offensive weapons. You wrote a really nice piece this week about that. Let's talk a bit about Nebraska. Certainly, you start there with quarterback Taylor Martinez and I-back Rex Burkhead. Yeah, uh, Martinez is a sprinter. He's a 6'1", 200-pound kid who I would love, I would pay money to see him in a 100-meter dash against uh, Denard Robinson. I think it would be very, very close. He's a little bigger than Denard and a little more, a little thicker. Is it, now, who's the better passer? I don't know. That's, that's a real question that needs to be answered. Um, I think Martinez has taken some strides in his quarterbacking skills. He's starting to make a few reads. He's starting to look more like a quarterback. His throwing motion is what it is. I don't think I don't think that's a deal breaker for Nebraska. How he throws the ball is whether where he throws it and when he throws it and how many times he throws it. So that's one thing to watch in this game. I also think uh, with going in the Big Ten, I, I think Pelini was acutely aware that he had to use uh, Taylor Martinez differently. He couldn't run them 20 times a game because those quarterbacks backs as you know, Michigan and Denard Robson can tell you that 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 strategy has not lasted the Big Ten more than three or four games. So there's been a little bit of preserve uh, Taylor vibe going on. I think that goes away this week. I think it's the last game of each season, and I think uh, you'll see Martinez finish run and uh, be, and run probably 20 times. Uh, and then you know when he's not running, it's going to be Rex Burkhead. Uh, there was reports earlier this week that he was in a boot. He has he has had an, a little bit of an ankle injury since I believe the Northwestern he. he uh, went off the field and returned. So he, he's, he might be a little bit banged up, but he is one of the tougher kids in the Big Ten. He's number four in the conference in rushing. Just a between-the-tackles guy with surprising bursts. He'll leave you in the dust. So I, Iowa can't sleep, and I think the biggest element this week, and we've heard this, you know, lots observing Iowa all season since Steel Jans, who now is a, a relic in Iowa State, since Steel Jans tore apart the Hawkeyes, we've heard the term contained. I think that is job one, two, and three this week against uh, yeah, Rex Burkhead, you think about all the great running backs Nebraska's had over the years of the different offensive schemes they ran. He's actually the first running back in the history of the program to have a touchdown in 10 consecutive games. Last week's game against Michigan, first time he didn't score a touchdown all year. Yeah, you know, and Michigan was a weird game. A lot of things went wrong. Uh, I don't think you know, they didn't run the ball as well as I thought they would against Michigan because, you know, Iowa had a nice day. I think Iowa might even, does that tell you that Iowa was a better offensive line? I don't know. I don't think there was so much that, that uh, there were so many lightning strikes in that game against Michigan or against uh, Nebraska that I think it's hard to read anything imperative in that game. But uh, Berkeley, yeah, they did. Michigan did stop Burkett. Can Iowa do that? I don't know. There, Iowa is a little bit deep in defensive line. Uh, I think uh, Michigan. Michigan is probably a little stronger. I think Mike Martin, I'm voting for Steamwell Big Ten. I, I, I really like Mike uh, Martin from Michigan. I have for a long time. I think he's one of the stronger defensive tackles in the Big Ten. And maybe that maybe that has something to do with Ryan Van Bergen, also a very good athlete in the outside for Michigan defensive end. Maybe the deep, maybe the, they were just too tough to crack. Uh, also, uh, Nebraska has injuries uh, up front with Ben Cotton, tight end, uh, with his shoulder. He's doubtful this week. At least that's what the word was on Monday. And then uh, uh, Rodriguez, I'm blanking on his first name, a guard, big guard, six. 290-something. Uh, he's, he's out this week, I believe, a foot injury. So maybe that had something to do last week with Michigan, and, or with Nebraska, and it's a uh, lack of getting Burkhead where he needs to be. But uh, it's not it's not Burkhead. I mean, Burkhead is, like, like I said, he's one of the tougher and more, one of the harder-working running backs in the Big Ten. He really seems to, he's also one of those players, I think, that uh, the squad really seems to rally around, and they'll be looking to him hard on Friday. Nebraska's offense is really sort of amazing and how it, it, it can do just about anything. I don't know if it does anything particularly 
strong, except for I think I believe quarterback sweep is a pretty safe play for them. Martinez is money in the bank, and uh, Burkhead uh, either uh, if, if they're getting a crease in the zone, and I, and I think they'll probably target uh, Big Ack, defensive end, and, and uh, LeBron Daniel, and that side of the line. I, th- I think uh, Nardo is tackle over there. I think they're going to get a lot of traffic, and uh, it'll probably be Burkhead. But uh, but they're, they're, Nebraska's offense is very interesting. The uh, uh, they run a little diamond formation. They run a, a pistol. The you know a little spread. Um, Amir Abdullah, I think, is an underrated weapon. I think he's the guy who probably takes over or maybe takes some carries away from Burkhead next year. Very talented, true freshman. Uh, it's their offense is a full buffet, and right on Thanksgiving, that's a perfect metaphor, is it not, John? <laughs> yes. Let's let's just stick with that matchup a minute. Uh, Nebraska's offense against Iowa's defense. For fans who haven't seen Nebraska play, is it going to look anything like what we've already seen this year? Anybody else Iowa's faced? Tough one, I think. It's a tough one. I I am not good at that. I, I think maybe Minnesota. Uh, if you look at the quarterbacks I would have seen, I think uh, Martinez and Mark Marquise Gray are sort of similar size wise. Marquise Gray is a big, big, big guy, six five two forty ish. So Martinez isn't quite in that weight class, but you know he's, he's bigger than Denard. Um, I think it'll be a little bit like Michigan. But you know, here's a question: Does Iowa has faced down, let me see, that uh, uh, Kane Coulter and Dan Cursa, uh, Steel Jan. Denard. Denard, her cousins, I would throw him out of that group. <laughs> Marquise Gray. Iowa has faced a share of running quarterbacks. I don't, I, I, and somebody asked me earlier in the week where I would put uh, Martinez in that list. Hmm, it's really hard to say. Uh, I think Iowa, Iowa was masterful in what it did with Denard. It made him one dimensional, made him pass. It's not his thing. And uh, it will let. Can Iowa do that with Martinez? I don't know. Uh, if Iowa has ruptures, it's going to be a long day. I was losing by two touchdowns. If they can con- control Martinez, keep him contained, keep him in front, uh, I think Iowa can you know, slug it out and make this a game, and, and it'll be fun in the fourth quarter. So you likely think it'll be kind of a scheme similar to what the Hawks used against the Wolverines then, the way they were able to yeah. shut Robinson down? Yeah, I think uh, I will ask uh, corners uh, Micah Hyde and, and Sean Prater to play a little more man than they usually do, and I think that you'll see... Bernstein and uh, Jordan Bernstein and uh, Tanner Miller commit to the run a little quicker, but you, know, you have to be careful. The ball, you know, uh, Iowa does not like the ball going over its head. Has probably done that more this year than it has. I mean, I've not looked at the stats, but I think Iowa's given it more big plays this year than it has maybe the last three, which you would think would you you'd understand because Iowa's defense isn't been what it's been in the last three years. So. Uh, I think that uh, that that could happen. I think that you, you I would linebackers will need to be active and lateral, but I think that they're going to have to take one or two more chances than they did against Michigan. Uh, they ran a long line of scrimmage and they got to where they need to get for the most part with Denard, but uh, they they need to uh, I think they need to penetrate a little more all the way all across just to kind of just disrupt. Uh, if you look at the disruption numbers that Iowa put up last week at Purdue, best all year, not even close. Uh, I think uh, Mike Daniels himself had five tackles for a loss and three sacks. If Iowa can be in that neighborhood coming out of Saturday, you know, as a team, they'd probably win. Turning to Nebraska's defense, probably their best defensive player, senior linebacker Levante David. He had 17 tackles, 17 last week against the Wolverines. And given all of Nebraska's great defensive history, he's only eight tackles short of being in the top five all-time at Nebraska. Pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's sort of their... uh... Energizer Bunny. He put on 10 pounds this year. You know, he, you know, he was an undersized middle linebacker last year, which works in the Big 12, which is more of a 
of an East-West league in the Big Ten, you know, north-south, you know, it's a league with fullbacks. He put on 10 pounds, and it appears to have paid off because he is still, he has not lost a beat. He's still a lot of energy, a player that uh, that defense rallies around. Now, they, they've had some injuries on the defensive line, most notably Jared Crick, which I think has really hurt them. Obviously, he's a probably he's probably a first-round draft pick, at least in the Claiborne range. So that, that set them back, but it's still the defense that, uh, what was it? What was the score against Michigan State? 24 to 3. Yes, uh, I think so. They did. They, uh, they they shut down Michigan State. Alfonso Denard is a, an NFL prospect. I think I, I think you'll see him matched up with Marvin. I didn't dwell on this this week as much as I did last week with Marvin against uh, Ricardo Allen, and Marvin was unstoppable last week. That I think you could see this week Nebraska going after Marvin a little bit because he is such a clutch playmaker. I mean, I was he's a, one of the rare rarities in the parents here, and that you know you look at I think uh, you know Dallas Clark. You look at Brad Banks. Those are two guys who wanted the ball when it was time to get the ball, and they went and did something with it. That's Marvin, and Marvin's right in that category. So I think Nebraska knows this. I think Nebraska's going to have have an eye toward Marvin. Maybe doubles, maybe just the Alfonso Denard on him. But I think you know Nebraska's got uh, three. I think well they had three, but I think they at least have two spectacular players on in the Levante David and, and Alfonso Denard. Uh, they had three with Crick, and that would be better. But I think it'll be interesting. I think that if, I, I think Iowa should be able to run the ball, and I think that might keep Nebraska honest, and that might help uh, Marvin uh, find a way to to make him pay for them. Well, if they double up on McNutt, Fedorowicz is really seems to be coming into his own, and and if Keenan Davis's ankle is okay, you know either one of those guys could be a weapon. Yeah, and, and Keenan played very well last week. That's one of the underrated stories coming out of Purdue. Keenan coming off the ankle where he. You know, basically had to be helped off the field. He did return against Michigan State, but uh, it didn't look good. And he came back last week. I think he had three or four catches and was productive and helped them. Um, you know, where where, is help, where will his health be this week? I don't know. I think I think everyone in Iowa would like to see Kevontae Martin Manley, you know, assume another, uh, take another step in his development. Now, Fedorowicz, I think that's going to be interesting. I wonder if he will be matched up with, you know, Fedorowicz is 6'7", 260. I wonder if he will be matched up with Nebraska linebacker uh, Sean Fisher, who is 6'6", 245. That, that's, that's, some, uh, that's like a basketball game going on right there. Uh, of course, Sean Fisher is the uh, brother, the older brother of uh, Iowa freshman who's registering right now, Cole Fisher. So I, I think uh, for, they'll have a plan for Fedorowicz. Will Fedorowicz be able to play above that? Maybe. I think he's really showing up the last few weeks, and I think Iowa's got something going there. But I really think, like, once again, uh, it, it all kind of comes back to Coker and what this offensive line does. I think that that's going to be what how Iowa makes its money on Friday. And then Nebraska has an outstanding place kicker, punter, in junior Brett Meyer. He's, uh, he's had some pretty impressive statistics. Can you talk about him a little bit in Nebraska's yeah, special team I, play? Yeah, I mentioned I have a Big Ten vote, and I might vote him for Big Ten kicker and punter. You don't see that very often, but that seems way to be the way Nebraska goes. And if you look at it, uh, I'm not sure what round he was drafted in, but Alex Henry, who is, is, a, is a kicker now for the Eagles. So and I think he was a punter for the Huskers, too. Maher, is, uh, he's not taking a step back. I mean, he's, uh, I think he's 3 of 6 of, from 50 yards. So, and, you know, it's not great, 50%, but uh, they let him try 50-plus yard field goals. I think that's impressive. I think he's made uh, 9 out of his last 10 field goals. So, you know, I, I think, once again, if you, if you look at Iowa, you look at this game and how Iowa special teams have been riding a wave of inconsistency. If it comes down to a field goal, you got to give us some Nebraska. Key players on offense and defense for the Hawks this week? I pretty much 
married myself to Coker right there with a man that I think he needs. I think he's gonna. He needs. He needs to have 30 touches. Iowa needs to have him run the ball and run the ball a lot because that means they're having success. It's working, and Coker is uh, gaining steam. How much Coker is left this year, I don't know. But uh, I think that I think 30 carries, 150 yards, 130 to 150 yards, and Iowa wins this game probably by 10 points. 20 carries and uh, James Vandenberg scrambling around. I was losing this game by two touchdowns. So I think look at Coker numbers, and uh, I would try to lean on him one more time. It's asking a lot, I know. And he's coming out. He, I thought he looked better out, at coming out of Purdue than he did at coming out of Michigan State. But uh, it did mean, of course, this week with Nicky L. McCall's suspension. They're going to lean on Coker and lean on Coker hard. And I think he has to come through. Defensively, I, I look at the core, the linebacker core once again, and I think uh, Tyler Nielsen and James Morris both left the game last week against Purdue. Nielsen had an uh, upper body injury, I want to say neck. He came back into the game and after the game he said he felt fine. He talked on Tuesday, so he's ready to go. Uh, and then uh, James Morris kind of limped off, hopped off the field, but he also came back. He's had an ankle issue all season. Those two really need to be, really need to shed blocks well. They need to uh, ride the wave. They need to read and, and have instinct against uh, Taylor Martinez. One mistake, and we've seen the highlight reels, and Taylor Martinez can go 80 yards and leave you uh, in the dust pretty quickly. Prediction? I have Nebraska 27-24 because I do think it comes down to a special teams play. I also think uh, the road matters in this game, and I think Nebraska, you know, obviously Nebraska has that. But I, 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 I would not count Iowa out at all. I think I see several scenarios where Iowa wins this game, and I think one of those is balanced offense. I think Iowa could be very balanced on offense Saturday. I think that uh, Vandenberg can do some damage against this defense. I think Marvin's the key. Mark getting Marvin open and getting him going the key, especially early. And then Coker. I think uh, Coker, if he comes through, like I said, winning number for him is 100. 30 yards, 30 carries. I, I think Iowa can win this, but I think there are just too many intangibles as leaning on Nebraska right now. I, I think uh, Brett Maher, 48-yard field goal in the last uh, three minutes, wins this. Forecast for tomorrow, a few sprinkles of genius for the chance of doom. This game was flat McNutty. A little bit of everything. Pops, punches, loose balls, block kicks. Hawkeyes close with the Huskers in what will be a new rivalry. It's the first road win of the season for Kirk Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes. Just a reminder that you can participate in our shows by offering your own comments and opinions on the Hawks. The toll-free hotline is available 24 hours a day. Call 866-74-HAWKS and make your voice heard. Visit HawkeyesMike.com, go to the news and events section, and check the links for up-to-date information on Iowa games, TV channels, team schedules, and more. Also, check out the game photos and video highlights of Iowa games, other Big Ten action, and teams across the country. Just click on the video tab. You can subscribe to all Hawkeyes Mike podcasts through iTunes, and you can follow Hawkeyes Mike on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out all of the Hawkeye stories, features, and blogs in the Gazette and the Hawkeye. And listen to Brent Balbinot on Hawkeyes Mike and on the Balbinot and Brummel Camp Show, weekdays 4 to 7 p.m. on KGYM AM 1600, ESPN Sports Radio in Cedar Rapids, and at KGYMRadio.com. And broadcast school has really paid off. Hawkeye's Mike football shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. 
and by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to the BTN for the game highlights this week, and thanks to our contributors Mark Morehouse and Susan Dank. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast, that you'll come back for more, and that you will participate by phoning and making your own voice heard on our shows. Call 866-74-HAWKS. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really, a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.